it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Team Christine. That's Christine White and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley. Filling in today for Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. As you know, the Guy Benson Show offers listeners smart, fast-paced Political, cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. The Guy Benson Show blends major newsmaker guests and a steady stream of Fox News all-stars. Passionate and informative monologues by Guy and your perspective on the phone lines. And, of course, Guy Benson is also the political editor of townhall.com. And you see him regularly, a Fox News contributor, really all over the channel, uh, including regularly uh, appearing as an all-star panel member on Special Report with Brett Baer. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, as always, and that's only because every day in this crazy news cycles that we are in, one after the other, there is always something big. There is always something new. Never the need to repeat the same thing twice. I mean, for example, who saw this coming? That President Biden, who was scheduled to leave for Warsaw, Poland, But who would have thought that President Biden would sneak in to Ukraine, meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky and make no mistake about it? I know some I've had some people emailing me, hey, I'm not going to give any credit. He started this all. I'm not going to give anybody credit. You know, the the arsonist that starts a fire and then wants to be the fireman. You don't get the, the Medal of Honor for putting out the fire that you started and things like that. I understand all the criticism, but. This was a good visit. I was show prepping for our morning show and out of nowhere, all of a sudden, President Biden in Ukraine. I believe that the Western world picked up on this in around the late four o'clock, maybe right at five o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it was amazing to see, actually. Now, we know this because a dear friend of ours Uh, who has visited on Guy's program in the past on a variety of different issues, and he'll be with us today later in the program during the 5 o'clock hour. Please don't miss it. He's been there for a few weeks. It's his second visit, and he has been right there in Poland near the Ukraine border in eastern uh, Poland, and it's just unbelievable what's happening right now. You can imagine in the cold, uh, our friend John Zarek, who's going to be with us later today, will explain everything from people who during this winter have lost toes and more because of frostbite. You have uh, Vladimir Putin bombing indiscriminately. He doesn't care. Remember early in the war, bombing uh, hospitals and and baby, baby hospitals. I mean, just horrible, horrible stuff. They don't care where they bomb because on the ground, They have not done so well when they bomb indiscriminately. They feel that that is where, you know, they pick up steam, but they are not winning on the ground. John will explain. uh, And he has some excellent contacts, a couple that we have spoken with uh, on the phone ourselves. So it's pretty remarkable. They need a lot of things. 
And the reason that John Zarek is there uh, is to help provide humanitarian relief, food, metal components so that they can make these portable little stoves for heat and to also be able to cook on because they've been bombed into the Stone Ages with everything that's been happening there. So we'll get to that a little later in Guy's program. But for this opening segment, I do believe in giving credit where credit is due. It's easy to take the position that Biden was weak and Putin saw weakness and he he invaded Ukraine and would not have done so under strong American leadership. You can say all that. You probably would be right. I've taken the position this morning and now today on the Guy Benson show that you have to give credit where credit's due. He went into a very dangerous situation. Uh, I think they handled it extremely well by secretly being able to depart Washington, D.C. The president has a much smaller footprint than he would typically have anywhere else in the world where he would be traveling, anywhere else in America where he would be traveling because this needed to be – the secrecy needed to be maintained. Uh, media people that, that were in the know, they had to turn in their cell phones. That's not unique. That's happened with things that Trump has done with what George W. Bush has done in the past and I'm sure in the Reagan and Bush one and Bush two era as well because you can't have – I mean you, you literally – you have the president's life on the line. The sirens were, were blaring while President Bush uh, – President Biden, excuse me, and that's not – I wasn't being a smart aleck. It was just a slip. When President Biden was in Ukraine, now he'll make his way to Poland, and that's where a lot of the media were waiting for him uh, for a day from today. Uh, so they pulled it off. Cloak of secrecy. Obviously, it had to be that way. They kept the process in, in the ears and eyes of a handful of people, key White House people, Pentagon, the Secret Service, and the intelligence community, because obviously you have to do a threat assessment to even decide if you can do this kind of thing. You've heard in the past President Trump landed somewhere where all the lights were out on Air Force One in the dark, and the pilots are just so great they could navigate landing without having the usual lights and things like that. President Bush when he popped up, that's George W. Bush when he popped up in Iraq. Uh, and you know what it does? It really does. It provides American leadership. It is symbolism, but it, it's also substantial. It's American leadership the way that it's supposed to be. The president, and we'll talk more about this in the next segment, the president announced additional funding that's going to be coming from the American taxpayers so you may have heard some of that. We'll give you the latest relative to that. But just a few thoughts about it. It seems to me that if you take the position that just President Biden is always wrong about everything, and it seems, look, inflation is high, prices are high, uh, Afghanistan was a disaster, Ukraine probably shouldn't be at war with Russia, and I believe didn't have to be at war with Russia. And you could you could build this patch quilt of everything, the disaster at the border and go on and on and on. Bidenomics, three trillion in new debt, uh, on and on. All these crazy things that have been going on. But for one day, it's my position. We should all be Americans. You can be partisan again in five minutes or in a day or two. You know, it used to be. And this is this is an unfortunate rule that was broken. And then once you break it, it's not just a precedent. And then you go back to the normal. You break it 
you break the rule, and then it's over. It used to be for the longest time in the history of America that you did not criticize the president when the president was on foreign soil. There was just a a compact with the American people, with the American media, with the American people, with any political adversaries, domestic, whatever. You didn't criticize the president when the president was on foreign soil because there was always a belief it weakens the president. It undermines the president, and you shouldn't do it. So I am processing. I had done a ton of show prep. Like I and everybody that does this business the right way, you do a minimum of one hour of show prep for every hour you're on the air, and then I do a number of hours of show prep the morning of each show because for reasons like this. You can't, you can't set a show in motion and then minutes before you're going on the president of the United States surprises the nation of the world, and there he is. He's speaking, uh, and I thought it was great. Navy blue suit, perfect tie in the Ukrainian royal blue and gold colors, absolutely perfect for the occasion. American lapel on the left side of the president's jacket, everything, you know, optics-wise, the way that it should be. American leadership. On the battlefield, basically, literally. And some will tell you that based on where he was, uh, this was not uh, the beach in in Ventnor City, New Jersey, uh, where you pick your you pick your favorite beach. Uh, this wasn't that. As I said in the beginning of Guy's show, there there were sirens blaring, and it was, uh, I think, a very daring mission. I think it was the right thing to do. And what it also does is, and I can tell you this, just from the work that my charity has done with John Zarek's charity, and then he takes that to Ukraine and buys these things. They have all this new stuff uh, for triage on the battlefield that if your chest gets opened up by a wound, they have this special packing, I want to call it gauze, but it's much more than that. It actually coagulates and stops bleeding, saves lives. Many times on the battlefield, people bleed out. So these are the things that our charity has been working with uh, to try to help. And I shared it with uh, Christine's team, with Wyatt, Christine, and Dan, a beautiful message that we received from an incredible woman who is the only layperson, the only civilian that they're allowing into Ukraine. So there's just so much to talk about today on The Guy Benson Show. In addition to the president's good work today, and I'm just not going to um, to go to the negative. You know, the president went there. Uh, people were saying, oh, my God, you know, with uh, everything, uh, eastern uh, Palestine and the spy satellite balloons and shooting down $12 uh, party balloons and hobby hobby club balloons that – You know, this is just some fake out. Hey, look, take it for what it is. The secret mission took place. It worked. And the president was able to share additional good news. Because I believe, and when we get to Gordon Chang in just a little bit, and I believe Gordon Chang is the most knowledgeable person in America on China and and what China is capable of. And we have some very pointed questions for Gordon Chang that you're not going to want to miss after the bottom of the hour break. 
But with all the bad news that was happening, you could easily say, look, when Bill Clinton was president and Monica Lewinsky scandal was going on and then he bombed Iraq out of nowhere. They called them Monica bombs and things like that. I don't like to play those games uh, because, again, it, un- we only have one president at a time. And I didn't vote for jo- Joe Biden. Believe me, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I was a Trump executive. I worked for Trump. I knew Trump would be a great president, and he was. You look at the Trump policies. The only thing anybody has any disagreement with that's being intellectually honest, I'm not saying the, the socialists or the, um, the, the left of center of any, any persuasion, they just don't like Trump policies, but they worked. We didn't have wars. We, we had low inflation, 1.4% when Joe Biden took office. I mean, you could go on and on and on. So there are all these bad things that have been accumulating, and there's no question about it, where the Fed is talking about raising interest rates even higher than the quarter of a point at their last meeting. And that's not going to be good news if that's 50 basis points or higher. I wasn't happy to hear that, but the Fed is basically telegraphing that. So that is showing that we are going to be in a slog here, that that inflation was not transitory, uh, that this is really tough stuff. We're going into year two, at least well into year two of high inflation, high prices. I mean, pretty soon people won't even be eating eggs. There'll be such a delicacy. It'll be cheaper to buy two filet mignons than a dozen eggs right now. So it's crazy and getting crazier. But I'm giving President Biden credit for the visit. Uh, You could tell how much that meant. I know from speaking to two people in Ukraine that are that are aiding the uh, the war effort in Ukraine. They're usually in Poland, but one of them does go actually into the war area. And I spoke to this beautiful man that John Zarek introduced me to. They love America. They love Americans. And they are so grateful to the help that we are given. We have so much more to share. I'm telling you, that's just barely, barely the opening comment. Uh, We will be back in just a little bit. Please don't go away with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry filling in for Guy. It's the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. One year later, Kiev stands and Ukraine stands. Democracy stands. The Americans stand with you. And the world stands with you. And I'm with all of that. Uh, it is uh, Christine Wyatt and yours truly, Harry, filling in today for Guy Benson. It is the Guy Benson Show. And thanks for spending this portion of your day with us. A busy news day continues. Good stuff, Mr. President. Love it. I do remind the listeners of the Guy Benson Show, in fairness, uh, President Biden did say it would be over in one or two days and that Ukraine should make the best deal that they can. Uh, and it's now one year. And it's been, I'll tell you, even with all the challenges that the American people have been dealing with, hearing people say, hey, you know, you can save money by not eating breakfast. I mean, let's not fix the problems. Let's let's cut a meal out. I mean, you could really cut your food bill down if you didn't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. The only problem is you'd be gone in a few weeks. So it's just terrible. But that is that is a fair retort, but it's an, it's an excellent comment. And I want to continue, Dan, with that. Cut two. Remind us that freedom is priceless. 
It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. And he's referring to President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine. Let's hear from him. Dan, cut five. It's really the most important visit or the whole history of Ukraine-U.S. relationship. This is the visit and this most difficult period for Ukraine when Ukraine is fighting for our own liberty, for the liberties of the world. Also, the president announced today some additional $500 million in direct aid to Ukraine. Cut three. And just today... That announcement includes artillery ammunition for HIMARS and howitzers, more javelins, anti-armor systems, air surveillance radars to help protect Ukrainian people from aerial bombardments. Later this week, we will announce additional sanctions against elites and companies that are trying to evade sanctions and backfill Russia's war machine. And there's still more. Cut four. Unchecked aggression is a threat to all of us. We united the leading economies of the world to impose unprecedented costs that are squeezing Russia's economic lifelines. Together, we've committed nearly 700 tanks and thousands of armored vehicles. On behalf of the American people, President Biden promised new military aid, some of it you heard right there, directly for Ukraine and their war effort totaling some $500 million, and this happened during today's surprise visit when the president secretly flew into Ukraine and uh, really stunned everyone, America, the world. And um, and I will say in, in total, good job today, Mr. President, good job. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some things that aren't so good, like China is big time on the move, and we have some very important questions for Gordon Chang coming up in just a little bit on the Guy Benson show. Then you're going to hear from Joe Concha, who's a great Fox News contributor and columnist for The Hill. Uh, we're going to talk about President Carter, oldest living president in American history. He, w- he probably will not make it to 99, but he's several months into his 99th year. Amazing. Uh, we're going to talk Governor DeSantis. We're going to visit with Congressman Van Drew. We're going to visit with Daniel Hoffman, retired CIA senior clandestine services officer and a Fox News contributor. And even more than that, it's The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Uh, It is the Guy Benson Show, and it is a busy, busy news day. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Gordon Chang. I have said this for the longest time, so why wouldn't I say it to him when I say it behind his back? If you want to know what's going on in China and how it impacts the United States of America 
in my estimation, and I do a lot of homework, Gordon Chang is the person, the go-to person on this. He is the author of The Coming Collapse of China. Maybe there needs to be maybe a follow-up to that because they want to collapse the United States before they collapse. Check out Gordon on his Twitter handle, uh, at Gordon G. G stands for great. Chang, I'm teasing, but it does stand G. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Gordon, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much, Harry, and thank you for the kind words. Earned, my friend. Uh, Right up front, I'm going to hit you right between the eyes with this because it's going to be a little scary for listeners that, that perhaps don't know how far along this may be. Are we actually in a proxy war with China, and many people don't even know it yet? Uh, certainly. And that's Ukraine, where you have China all in support for Russia. I think actually China greenlighted the invasion on that February 4th joint statement between China and Russia last year. That was just 20 days before Russia's attack. That was when they declared their no limits partnership. Since then, the Chinese have been effectively financing the war with the elevated commodity purchases. They've been supplying military assistance, despite what the Biden administration wants you to believe, because they say, well, they haven't done it yet. We know that there's been propaganda support. Uh, China's opened up its financial system to Russian institutions that have been sanctioned. And, and this is just all in support. And obviously, we're supporting Ukraine. So that's by definition is a proxy war. I think so. And once you say it now, I'm very confident saying it myself, which I have been saying it, but really waiting uh, to have a chance to talk to you about it. Gordon Chang on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Are, is China providing lethal assistance as we speak? Yes. Um, from the very beginning of the war, for instance, uh, China was supplying location data. Um, the Ukrainians were operating Chinese-made drones. China knew where the drone operators were, transmitted that to Russia, and Russia took out those drone operators, killing them. So that's that's certainly lethal. We know that China's been supplying drones to the Wagner Group, which is fighting in Ukraine. Also, um, there are rumors, and th- that's not confirmed, about China actually supplying ammunition. There are these large Russian um, transport planes that leave Zhengzhou in the central part of China daily, according to some observers. Um, And so, therefore, you know, they're probably carrying ammunition. But we do know because of the drone uh, material and drone location data, that's lethal information, Harry. Now, in terms of um, the president, I've had very little opportunity to commend our president because he's made so many mistakes. Afghanistan, I, I, that was handled so terribly. We don't, we don't even have time to get into that. But just the order alone of military outburst and everything that we left behind and, and people still trapped there that we, we just forget about because we go on to the next big thing. I, I, st- I don't believe that Russia would have invaded Ukraine if there would have been stronger American leadership. So on one hand, It's hard to to commend somebody, hey, you did a great thing today because you secretly showed up. It was awesome. You're there in the war area and and all these amazing things that we can say about that. But it shouldn't even be going on to begin with. But I'll go with the good news. Do you agree with me that was a good thing that President Biden did today? I'm not trying to push you into it because you have your own views that are very, very strong. I think it was great that he went. I think it was courageous. I think they pulled off, you know, a a secret thing that um, is going to play very, very well for him, you know, geopolitically even. The right thing to do, 
backing Ukraine, wearing Ukrainian colors in his tie with Vladimir Zelensky. Good day for Joe Biden, I think. What do you say, Gordon? Yeah, it, it was a great day for Joe Biden and for the United States of America. There you and go. today, I agree with you. But I also agree with you that this war would not have occurred had Biden not fumbled it. It started with the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yep. I convinced Vladimir Putin that he had nothing to worry about from the United States. It was Biden's terrible diplomacy in the run-up to the war um, that made things even worse. So Putin invaded. But I think that um, once this war started, uh, the administration started to get its footing, and the policy has not been horrible. It could be better. But I also believe that the Biden administration needs to supply more assistance to Ukraine. And the reason is, forget about Ukraine for the moment, forget about Europe. The way to stop Chinese ruler Xi Jinping from invading one of his neighbors, including Taiwan, would be to basically defeat Vladimir Putin. That would show Xi Jinping there's a cost for aggression. And so this would be a very salutary lesson if the Biden administration can defeat Russia. Remember, yes, Ukraine is winning now, but that's before the big Russian offensive that is coming. And we just don't know how that's going to turn out, of course. It's a great point. Gordon Chang on The Guy Benson Show live and on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, middle initial G, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Now, there were a couple big, big mistakes right from the get-go here, Gordon, that I'd like you to talk about. Number one, the president, in my estimation, President Biden greenlighted Vladimir Putin when he fumbled his words and almost got tricked by a media question into saying that a small incursion, he basically greenlighted a small incursion. And I'm sure you remember that. And then the the just preposterous, like it's like they didn't study history at how hard Ukraine fights how much Ukrainians do not want to be Russians and they fight to the death and they've beaten the Russians every time they have fought over many, many generations. So he he just needed to get a C or a C minus in history. And he wouldn't have said that he thinks this is going to end in one to two days and that Ukraine should make a deal with Russia. That was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right about that minor incursion uh, point. Because that, when, you know, you heard it, you could see in Vladimir Putin that he was thinking, well, I can do a minor incursion, which becomes a major invasion. And, you know, this is uh, something that is uh, symptomatic. I mean, in the Telemundo interview of last week, um, Biden said, well, you know, the balloon incursion was not a major breach, quote unquote. Unbelievable. He, He just seems to fumble those types of things because, you know, basically what he was saying to Telemundo was to Beijing, oh, well, send some more balloons because that's not a major deal. Yeah, exactly. He says exactly the wrong thing at these critical moments of truth and tipping points. It's Gordon Chang, the author of The Coming Collapse of China, live on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I have to correct something that I've been saying and I will do it uh, with my audience tomorrow and, and certainly get it straight here on the Guy Benson Show the first time I pose this question to you regarding the Chinese spy satellite balloon. Was China brazenly mapping the United States for a future conflict? Yes. Um, Thank you. And it was not just a future conflict. It was a either first or second strike, uh, a nuclear strike. 
Um, because remember, this balloon hovered over Maelstrom Air Force Base yep. in Montana, yep. and then it went on to F.E. Warren and Minot. That's where we have all three bases is where we have all of our land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles. It then passed by Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha, Nebraska. That's the headquarters of U.S. Strategic Command that controls all nuclear weapons. And then it went right by Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, where we base all of our B-2 strategic bombers. The message was clear. China's preparing to nuke the United States. We've got it. And also, by the way, as it passed through Alaska, um, it was testing our reactions of NORAD, of uh, the commander, um, General Van Klink, and also uh, Van Herk, uh, sorry, and also we saw um, China testing our radars, our, our dew line, distant early warning line, which starts in the Aleutians and goes through Africa and, sorry, um, Alaska and Canada. So, yeah, this is a strike. Pre they're preparing for it. Now, they've been in a mess with this thing from the beginning, late and wrong and all kinds of stuff, including why they would let this balloon. They say they deactivated it, but I don't, I don't believe that. And I also don't believe this propaganda of yesterday and this morning where they say that the Chinese balloon that finally got shot down off of South Carolina was really, you know, heading to Hawaii, but it got blown off course. Now, See, see if I'm on to something here, because I listened very closely to what you said. If this was really meant to be a Hawaii, you know, trick or treat and, and not go through Alaska, then the entire continental United States, this would be the greatest lucky blown off course balloon in history because it went above all the places that you mentioned, Montana and all the other sites. So I can't believe that it blew off course because it went exactly where China would want to be. Right. Um, this balloon, is, balloon was maneuverable, which means that China had a fair amount of control over where yep. it went. Now, I don't know if you had really strong winds, whether China would lose control over it. But we know one thing, Harry, and that is, regardless of where they intended to send this in the first place, once it was blown off course, if that's indeed the case, they then decided to um, surveil um, those sensitive sites in the United States. So this was a positive decision. Whatever their original target was, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They obviously changed their intentions if it was indeed blown off course. And, but I and, agree with you. It probably yeah. wasn't. They probably intended to do this in the first place. I think so, because if it got blown off course, it, it's the most beautiful luck you know, they should be playing the, the pick six lottery with the Powerball, and they're going to win a billion the next time it ramps up. Gordon Chang on The Guy Benson Show. Here is something that I was very much against, and, and I want to hear your expertise on it. The fact that our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and it's my understanding, Gordon, that this was at our request, met with the top China diplomat, Wang Yi, and they have this meeting. It seems like only China got good propaganda out of it because they get to say that we were provocative, we were aggressive, we shot down their property, that it wasn't a spy satellite, it was whatever, recreational or, you know, whatever they want to try to, to, to fool the world about, nobody's believing them. But I thought this was a terrible meeting for us to keep because it lets China scold us, saying that they have the right to reserve uh, next action. Uh, they're blaming us for shooting down their equipment that they spied over America with. This is just 
it's almost too much to handle. Yes. Um, I mean, if I were the president of the United States, I would have directed Blinken not to meet Wang Yi at yep. Munich. Um, you know, people can argue about whether this was a good move or not, and there are arguments on the other side, but the point is um, they did something which violated our sovereignty, I think is an act of war, and our reaction is to try to talk to them. We have tried to talk to China for five decades. And doing so, we've emboldened the worst elements in the Chinese political system because every time they do something belligerent, we desperately seek communication. And that tells everybody else in Beijing that belligerence works. So we have opened the door to the the worst um, elements, which is really the the Chinese military, to get basically even more political power by showing that their policy is indeed effective. This is a terrible question. We have a minute and a half uh, and then a hard break to address it, Gordon. Do you believe the general who came out with, and I think this was leaked, it's not like he came out and announced it, it was leaked, that he said that we will be at war with China by 2025? That was General Mike Minahan, who's the head of Air Force's Air Mobility Command. Serious man. When he said it, it shocked a lot of people. But given the spy balloon incident, um, 2025 seems a long way away. We could be in war with China well before then. What would we that look like? A, what would that look like? World War III, um, hundreds of millions of people dead. Um, this is not going to stay conventional. Um, our policy has fallen apart, and um, we've got to start defending ourselves. This is one of the most dangerous, I think, the most dangerous moment in history, Harry. And China was building up their navy to now become the largest navy in the world for a very good reason. They they plan on being very aggressive, don't they? Yes. Um, they're preparing for war. And it's not just the military buildup. They're preparing civilians for war. They're trying to sanction-proof the regime. Xi Jinping has appointed what's called the War Cabinet. And, of course, they're flying spy balloons over the United States and elsewhere. I'm going to stretch 30 seconds on this one. We have to win this because this proxy war, it's it's Russia-Ukraine on the battlefield, but it's America on the Ukraine sidelines of the Super Bowl, and you have China on the Russian sidelines. If Russia wins, China wins, correct? If Russia wins, China invades some neighbor. We will be involved in war on both ends of the Eurasian landmass. That's World War Three. That, as I said, is not going to stay conventional in all probability. This is going to be the most destructive event in history. Not just because it's contiguous, but it's likely it would be Poland first, right? And then you have a NATO nation, and then it's, you know, one for all, all for one. The bad actors are all learning from each other. They're taking their cues. And at this moment, destructive forces are the ones driving events, Harry. This is incredibly dangerous. There are no good options for the United States. And unless something changes, we will be in war with China. We have the power to stop this. Ten seconds. The Biden administration doesn't have the correct uh, policies to do that. Such an important visit with Gordon Chang. Visit him on his Twitter handle, at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, An honor to present you, my friend. An honor to be on your show. So thank you so much, Harry. Thank you, Gordon. And that was Gordon Chang on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. We're going to be right back. Please don't go away. Much more. Told you it was a big news day. It's the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. 
This is The Guy Benson Show. As we go to the, I can't believe it already, top of the hour, uh, let's talk a moment about what's happening in Ohio. And you can't unring the bell, but my goodness, for over two weeks, what, what, what is wrong with the adults in the room? The whole purpose of the federal government is for those things that are too big for it to be handled at the local. You cannot expect the mayor and the Council of East Palestine, spelled like Palestine but pronounced Palestine, you can't expect them to be able to handle a, a toxic contamination the, the size of something like this. You can't expect the county executive or, or even Governor Mike DeWine, and I have to say it's the most wobbly I've seen him. He's a steady good man, but this has just been terrible at every level. And I also know why they do it, but it's a shame. The... Norfolk Southern Railroad, second one, should have said, we are with you. We are going to be with you every step of the way. Everything that the president of the company said more than two weeks too late. They tell them, Governor DeWine says, drink bottled water. That's what I would do. And I would urge anybody, that's what you should do. You, you just don't know. This, this contamination has hit the Ohio River. My wife is very familiar with this area. This is going to continue to travel into other areas. And FEMA, what a terrible, terrible delay in deployment. I mean, there's just no excuse for how bad the response to this has been. Much more straight ahead. This is The Guy Benson Show. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, next. Powerful city in the world. Unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative. Guy Benson Show. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy. He'll be back real soon. You can follow Guy. I think the best way to stay close to the show is GuyBensonShow.com. And there's great content. Dan does a phenomenal job, and Wyatt, Christine, the entire team in uh, updating the content all the time, and of course the podcast and everything else that's available at GuyBensonShow.com. The Guy Benson Show offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. The Guy Benson Show blends major newsmaker guests, a steady stream of Fox News all-stars, Gordon Chang in the last segment, for example. What a, what a powerful, powerful interview. If you missed any of that, please catch it. Uh, on the GuyBensonShow.com podcast. Uh, Passionate, informative monologues and, of course, perspectives from callers. That's you, listeners who become callers whenever possible. So much in the news. Uh, We're going to be talking in just a little bit about uh, the, I guess, well-earned holiday would be a nice way to put it, that Don Lemon is on right now. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I was proud of, it's not a show I would ever watch, but, of course, you couldn't help it became news, and so you, you have to be responsible and do your show prep on it. I was proud of the ladies on the panel because when he started saying, you know, Nikki Haley at age 51 is not in her prime, and then then then, then you hear one, I forget who it was, say, prime for what? And then, then he doubled down and started saying, oh, yeah, just go look it up. Like, like there's this look-up channel uh, for saying that, that a 51-year-old vibrant woman, brilliant woman, who was a great governor, uh, a terrific U.N. ambassador, 
uh, is at 51, past her prime, and a man is saying this who has never uttered the words that Joe Biden at age 80 is not, he has never talked about him being out of his prime. Dan, you were saying, yes, yeah, let's let's um, share some, I think, some nice audio relative to this statement that we've just made. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking about? Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. Right. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got it. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. you need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for, like, childbearing? Or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home, when is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime. And they need to be in their prime when they serve. Because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to Google Google or whatever it is. According to, like, the Internet? I mean, what, what, the, the misogynists, the, the Al Bundy, he-man, woman-haters club? I mean, who, who's not 51? 51. Tell Margaret Thatcher. How old was Margaret Thatcher when she became the Iron Lady and became one of the most relevant leaders in world history? 51? You're not in your prime? Go look it up. And then he kept doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. Well, he's been on a well-deserved holiday ever since then uh, because that's just that's just crazy. just makes no sense at all uh, to take that position. And, I mean, you wouldn't hear a woman say that. So why would this guy say that? And, again, he has a great sort of comparison that he could make. If you don't say that the guy that's 80 and see anybody that that has known us the occasional times that we have the privilege to fill in for Guy and work with Christine Wyatt and Dan, who are fabulous, knows I don't I don't play the age thing. See, there's chronological age and there's biological age. So you could have a 40 year old that's tapped out and you could have an 85, 90 year old. I regularly have the privilege to talk to someone that is definitely well into their 80s, and I tell her all the time that I I just feel like it's Ashton Kutcher punked out. I feel like you're punking me out. This beautiful woman has the strength and vitality in her voice of a 35-year-old, and she introduces herself to me over the air as um, your octogenarian gentlelady caller. And I'm knocked out of my chair. I stand a lot, so fortunately I didn't get knocked out of my chair. I said, wait a minute now. I said, you know me. Age means nothing to me. I mean, you look look at Jimmy Carter. God rest his soul. We're going to talk about him uh, in the next segment. Look at him. 98 years old. And let's see, October 1st is his birthday. So all of October, November, December, January, and now the first 20 days of February. He is nearing... 98 and a half years old. He beat brain cancer. He beat down so many other things and well into his 90s with Habitat for Humanity, pounding nails, lifting two by fours and eight foot high stud walls. I mean, come on. 
I, I, I'm telling you, I know 30, 40, 50, and 60-year-olds that couldn't do what Jimmy Carter was doing at age 94. Age is a number. It's, it's a chronological versus biological thing. And that's why I was not in favor of Nikki Haley saying anyone over 75 should take some kind of mental acuity test. I don't like that kind of stuff. See, I believe we all have two eyes and two ears. We see what we see. We hear what we hear. And we know. We know if something's wrong. I mean, we all knew that something was up with now Senator Fetterman of Pennsylvania. And, and again, not even talking about the latest issue because depression is very real. It's very debilitating. And he's dealing with it. So I pray for him. But we knew what was going on during the campaign, and people will say similarly about um, about uh, President Biden and such, but come on, Don Lemon of CNN, let's see, uh, because he was supposed to be in, then he wasn't, then they say that the rumors out there aren't true, uh, then they say that they're evaluating, and then people say that's not true, but all you know is he hasn't been there since he said it. So either a great coincidence or we'll wait and see what happens there. While we have a couple of minutes in this segment, let's talk about uh, Nikki Haley's entrance into the race. For some reason, and I'm pretty sure that John Bolton has all has also declared his candidacy, but you don't hear much about the fact of him being even recognized that he's a candidate. You have President Trump, of course, declared. You have Nikki Haley declared. The, the one that's going to be very interesting because there's a lot of moving parts here because Governor Ron DeSantis, what he's got to do, because this is a very unforgiving business, you can be the very hottest thing in the world. And less than one election cycle later, uh, you, you can be just not where you were at your high mark. Now, Ron, Governor Ron DeSantis has there's there's a couple of moving parts, as I mentioned. One of them is Florida has a law that if he were to, to declare, that's why on the appearance with um, uh, it was Fox and Friends with Brian Kilmeade and with uh, Steve Ducey and uh, somebody help me, Dan, um, uh, a fill in for, for Ainsley today. Um, I want to say was Miss Booth, but um, yeah, Lisa Booth. Thank you, Dan. So he was on today, and I watched it. It was perfect. I watched it during some of my breaks. I'm on the same time as Brian Ainsley and uh, Steve. So I'm watching DeSantis, and uh, you know, you oh, I do it all the time. You want to get somebody. I tried to have Chris Christie do it here. Come on, you know, declare right now. They declare when they're ready to declare. In DeSantis's case, see, in Trump's case, it was about the moment he declares, then federal finance laws go into effect as a declared candidate, and you need to be strategic and things like that. With DeSantis, he's got all that, but also he has the challenge of Florida law. If he declared, say he declared this morning on Fox and Friends, he would have to vacate his seat. Now, I do believe the Florida legislature is planning to take care of that, and it's got to be soon because it is from my friends that know Governor DeSantis very, very well. They tell me he is planning a spring entry into the race. 
So the Florida legislature, they're going to have to change the law because DeSantis is not going to resign his seat for governor with with Republican houses in, you know, majorities in both houses. They're going to change the law. They're going to make it. And look, Lloyd Benson, don't get mad at DeSantis. Lloyd Benson ran for vice president with Dukakis and he ran for his Senate seat. And I was on air and I remember saying, hey, this guy's not too confident he's going to win because he's running for two seats at one time. DeSantis doesn't have to run uh, for governor at the same time. But if he declares for president under current Florida law, he would have to resign as governor. It's required. You can't do it. So they're going to change that. I can't tell you when, but it's going to be very, very soon because you're starting to see now this was smart. He went with um, police officers today. Very, very nice coverage on the Fox News channel. Went to a blue state. You know, he didn't go to the be obvious and go to the first states, New Hampshire and Iowa and things like that. He went somewhere that he can just say, hey, look, you know, I'm just spreading. And he said it. I'm just spreading what we do in Florida. So he's he's almost playing train the trainer, which is pretty cool. But, you know, he's running and he is running. It's just a matter of when does Florida change the law so that he can run. The interesting thing is going to be this. That. Nikki Haley. I don't know if she's. You you never know with this kind of thing. President George H.W. Bush, who was an incredibly loyal, I think he was the prototype loyal vice president. Even when President Reagan was shot by John Hinckley, President George H.W. Bush did not become acting president or take any authority away. He said, we're just fine. President Reagan's going to be just fine. And we're just going to leave things as they are. was a very, very good thing to do. And President Reagan, the more you learn, the more we find out how very close he came to dying. Truly amazing uh, that he survived and he came back as quickly as he did. But George H.W. Bush, if you remember, in the campaign, it got a little rough and tumble. You know, George H.W. Bush was no joke. He had been chairman of the Republican Party. He had been the director of the CIA. He had been a member of Congress. I mean, he was, I used to say, the most qualified person to ever run for president. Because look at the roles that he has held in the run-up to all of that. Well, he did things like voodoo economics with President Reagan. And there was a whole deal. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, if Guy has ever told it to you. I know Guy, who's a great historian, is aware of it. They were going to make a deal with President Ford. It would have been so unique. President Ford would have become the vice president under President Reagan. And Ronald Reagan was in. They were going to do it. And then President Ford said something along the lines of that he wanted a co-presidency. And President Reagan said, no, uh, there's one president in America at a time. Go make the deal with George. And that's when they made the deal to make George H.W. Bush the running mate. And the rest is history because, look, if he doesn't become president, no way does George W. Bush ever become president. And you look at the way history, depending on who the president is, whether it was Kennedy, who then was assassinated and becomes Johnson, uh, Nixon, who lost to Kennedy in 1960, then ran for governor of California and lost and thought he was finished, then was able to come back 
after Johnson did not run for reelection, and then he thought he was going to lose the presidency to another Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, and then Bobby Kennedy is assassinated. Then, of course, the presidency of uh, Nixon and all kinds of things that unfold there, the opening with China, and uh, you just never know with these things. And people actually sometimes pick the wrong time to run. And that's something you need to take a look at. Like DeSantis, people say, wait, DeSantis' high watermark may be right now. And he's going to run. I will give you as close to 100% odds on that. He is going to run. We will be right back. Stay with us. Big news day today on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan, Harry Hurley, filling in for Guy. Uh, He deserves this. I I would rate his um, career in terms of public service. Obviously, he was governor of uh, Georgia, peanut farmer. Uh, He ran this campaign. My name is Jimmy Carter, and I'm running for president. And nobody thought he could win. But Watergate, and I believe that President Ford could have survived Nixon's part in Watergate, the pardon of Nixon, which I think was best for the country, did in uh, Jimmy uh, did in uh, President Gerald R. Ford. And don't lose sight of the fact and that he ran with with um, future presidential Republican nominee Bob Dole. Bob Dole was the vice presidential running mate with uh, Gerald Ford in the election of 1976. And they would have won. And they almost won anyhow. It was like really like some of these close elections we have today where a couple of states, if you had swung them about fifteen to 20,000 votes, two states, then Ford would have won and not been just an appointed president, would have been an elected president for a full term. And Bob Dole would have been the vice president. And then who knows again what that would have meant. Would Reagan have been able to win the nomination in 1980? And and have the Reagan revolution that we had. So I'm a firm believer, even when you don't like it at the moment, that that things happen the way they're supposed to happen when they're supposed to happen. They just it just does happen that way. Even this, which is hard for people to scratch their head and say, oh, my God, we had great employment. We had wonderful uh, low inflation. We had, you know, everything going low gasoline prices, everything low food prices, no supply chain problems. Oh, my God, look what's happened in two years. Well, for some reason, this was in God's plan. I mean, it it was supposed to happen, even though we think it wasn't. Regarding President Carter, being honest, and I don't like to say things at a somber time like this, terrible president, great former president. His career after leaving his one term was exceptional whether it was teaching at the Baptist Church, where President Carter taught school for decades and decades, uh, whether it was Habitat for Humanity, the longest married presidential couple in American history, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, over 75 years. George and Barbara Bush were married for 73 years. Jimmy Carter, the oldest living president in American history, former president, at 98 years and almost five months. Truly incredible. 
great life. He has beaten cancer, brain cancer, and other cancers. He is just an amazing man in that respect and a good man. And he is not going to have any more treatment. He's going the route of hospice. And obviously that means his days are numbered. This is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back. It is The Guy Benson Show. Thank you for tuning in, working with Christine Wyatt and Dan. So you know I'm in the best of hands. We're going to be joined in just a moment. Uh, he, he will say exactly where he is if he chooses to. I can tell you he is near the border of Ukraine uh, in real time, uh, about 5,000 miles away uh, from, say, New York City, thereabouts. And his name is John Zarek. He's an accomplished attorney at law. He has his own criminal defense firm, uh, very highly regarded in the state of New Jersey and beyond. He's been on The Guy Benson Show in the past talking about Ukraine and talking about other issues as well. But what he did, because he's a patriot in addition to everything else, is he formed his own not-for-profit organization because he loves America and he has gone all in for Ukraine in this war between Russia and Ukraine, forming his own not-for-profit, making a material difference. And he's introduced me to two remarkable people, uh, Jacob, which, we, which he will probably mention, and Marina as well. And to say they are doing God's work is just an understatement. So joining us, uh, we'll say uh, in the vicinity of the war effort, uh, is John Zarek. John, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Good to be here, Harry. It is good to talk to you. Uh, I want to turn it over to you because I've had the privilege to interview you a number of times on exactly what you're doing, exactly what's going on. Give us your take how things are going right now in the war, and also what what you are doing, uh, and this is your second time, I'm going to say in theater, you might say that's slightly an exaggeration, but take it away, John. Give us a little bit of a background. Well, uh, the war is going very well for the Ukrainians. Um, you, you have to realize that uh, at this point, they're extremely angry at, at Russia. I mean, there are there's a Russian propaganda war going on telling everyone how much Ukrainians are really Russians uh, because they speak uh, – some of the people speak the Russian language. That means they're Russian. Um, Putin says wherever uh, people speak the Russian language, that's Russia. And if, if you give any of those ideas – uh, to Ukrainian people, they laugh. Um, it's absurd. Um, and this is people in Crimea, um, in the Donbass, where we were. Uh, any any Ukrainian you talk to um, really holds ridiculous that idea that uh, because anyone speaks Russian, uh, they are... Russian citizens, basically, and part of Russia. Uh, it's nonsense. I mean, since when the Soviet Union uh, took over uh, the eastern territories, um, say, um, 
that's been going on for 75 years at least. When they took over the eastern uh, uh, states, um, Poland, um, Ukraine, um, uh, the Baltic states, they were really uh, they they required everyone to speak Russian, to learn Russian. Um, the Polish language language was uh, outlawed. The Ukrainian language was outlawed. So, you know, it's absurd that they would try to sell this propaganda. But they've done a fairly good job of it. You know, there are people in the United States, a lot of people will say, you know, well, it's really Russia anyway. They speak Russian. Um, that's that's like saying a, a, a country during World War II that uh, came over and um, or citizens from, say, Italy, and, and they came over um, with their kids, that those kids would grow up and be uh, Italian right. rather than um, than American citizens. It's they, you know, they went back and they didn't fight for Italy. They went back and fought for the United States. So, John, how um, how did word of um, President Biden surprising everyone uh, and appearing today in Ukraine and announcing 500 million additional uh, dollars in American funding for the war effort to back Ukraine. I'm sure word has gotten around quickly about that. I imagine that's a morale booster, isn't it? It is. It's um, it's instant. But I, I can tell you that Ukrainian people need no morale booster. It's it's quite amazing to be around them. Um, but, they need, but John, they near, need money to fight. Oh, they do. They do, but uh, I, I can assure you that they are uh, ready to fight. In fact, they fight to get among each other, not in a violent way. They fight among each other to get to the front. I mean, they could probably field four times the army they have now, but they have everyone they need. Um, everything operates very efficiently. Um, they're not losing the war at all. They're doing extremely well. Um, I was with uh, a group of um, fighters uh, that were on a little R&R, not very far from Bakhmut, and um, yesterday. And they, um, they're just itching to get – they hate to take R&R. They're wow. ordered to do it. I guess they need it, yeah. but they were just – itching to get back and fight the Russians. You John, know, that's, let, let's that's let's chew this over. And we're visiting with John Zarek live. And there's a little you can tell there's a little uh, time delay because he's 5000 miles away from this connection. Uh, but crystal clear again, which is amazing. I keep marveling at uh, how good your communication is from where you are 5000 miles from home in under the circumstances that you're operating under. Gordon Chang, who I know you know of, he's such an incredible uh, expert on China. He acknowledged my question was accurate when I said that we're in a proxy war uh, at the present time with China. So it's China and Russia versus America and Ukraine. Uh, I like our odds because we, we they, they'll say Vietnam, but we didn't lose that. Maybe it was a it was a stalemate, but we've never lost a war. Uh, but if China and Russia were to win this, that's a loss for America uh, how concerned China's top diplomat Wang Yi is on his way to Moscow right now. 
it appears that China is ready to become more and more visible that they're already doing what we know they're doing, but they're really ready, I think, to ratchet up their support. Gordon Chang said they're already providing lethal aid to uh, Russia. What are your thoughts about it's like a, a WWE tag team match, America and Ukraine versus Russia and China. What are your thoughts? Well, I know that uh, President Biden uh, laid out through diplomats um, a red line. Now, the last time the red line was laid out, it was in Syria by President Obama, and uh, the bad guys crossed the red line and nothing was done. And I I am quite sure that that is why um, Putin invaded Ukraine this time. I mean, um, repeatedly, the the United States has done nothing. In fact, I, I recall a statement, and uh, in fact, it's, it could be easily looked up on YouTube or any other source. Uh, John McCain in 2015 said, for the first time in my life, I'm ashamed of my country because uh, Russia invaded and we did nothing. We gave them no weapons, no bullets, nothing to fight with. And he thought that was an extremely shameful um, period in our history. Um, I don't think people paid a lot of attention to it at that time. Again, Russia did a great job uh, of letting everyone know how, um, you know, the Russian people um, – and the Ukrainian people in the East are really Russians, and they're really uh, people who uh, want to be part of Russia, including Crimea, and that's just not the case. So, John, John, we have um, about we have about five minutes, so we have a good amount of time to still delve into a few things. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to ask you this question on the Guy Benson show. It is something that I'm aware of your position because we've discussed it elsewhere, but. How does this end? Who wins? Well, Ukraine wins. Um, this situation uh, for Russia, the, the invasion failing so badly, is the product of many, many years of uh, stealing. Last 20 or 22 years, um, Putin's been in charge. When you are, are loyal with him and you work hard, to do what he wants you to do, he rewards you uh, with a billion-dollar contract. In Prigozhin's case, the head of uh, uh, the mercenary group, um, Wagner Group, in his case, $2 billion in contracts for being loyal. Now, if you have um, 20 years of that or 22 years of that and everyone is stealing – then you end up in a situation like Russia has right now. They they have they ha- they don't have the things they need to fight a war uh, because everyone's been stealing for 20 years. Uh, so they have junk equipment, they have untrained people, and um, you know, Harry, you can't turn the Titanic around if you're 100 yards from the iceberg when you see it. And that's where Russia is right now. The iceberg is staring them in the face. They're going full speed. 
they can't turn around 20 years of misbehavior and corruption and weakness, gradual growing weakness in, in um, a few months. John, John, in, in two and a half uh, minutes, I really want to delve into this, too, because there's a storyline that's gaining steam that says that Russia is about to engage. I, I don't want to use shock and awe, but it's what I mean, a really over-the-top massive offensive. Is that bull or is that real? That is complete nonsense at this point. I would expect and I I, I believe very strongly after spending some time with uh, troops or, who are fighting at the front, fighting at Bakhmut, I would suspect that the Ukrainians are taking the offensive and not the Russians. They're, quick, John, quick time reset. It's John Zarek live from near the action. Uh, I haven't given your whereabouts. If you're where you were last time we spoke, I know exactly where you are, but you are near, very near the action. You're not in theater, but you're, you're near. You hear sirens and you hear these things uh, during your time there, correct? Uh, I do. Uh, in fact, uh, today we and it's uh, it's sort of like being here is sort of like a thousand ways to die in the West, <laughs> like that movie. There there are a lot of ways that you can get hurt uh, if you don't do the right things and take the right precautions. Um, today we were in a downtown area in a in a city, um, and uh, a rocket blew up very close to us um and that and then the siren went off so putin did say he was going to use some uh faster rockets and he's doing that so uh but the people are unfazed by this sort of thing Un completely unfazed they go about their business they're not running into shelters they're just cranking cranking ahead full steam john and, final, final uh, minute but yet it's been a cold winter and you know of people that have had frostbite and lost toes. And, I mean, this has been a very harsh winter, hasn't it, for the, for the people that have been bombed out of uh, their usual, you know, comforts? Yeah, for the civilians, it's been really tough. But uh, I, I can tell you I was uh, very close to the front, uh, very close to Russia yesterday. And... Um, there was an artillery duel going on not far from us, uh, which was sort of unreal, uh, but it was going on, and um, the soldiers there were unfazed by it. Like the civilians, they just take this stuff in stride and just can't wait to get back to the front and um, and fight and uh, Kill more Russians. That's that's all they want to do. You've been, so John. You've been there important. twice. We've got about thirty seconds. What is the aid that you've been helping to provide? I've mentioned that you have your not-for-profit uh, humanitarian relief Inc. that you have formed in order to help uh, get vital necessities to the folks. What have you been doing? And I know we only have about a half a minute, John. So a closing comment. It's Ukraine Humanitarian Inc. Um, care of my office uh, in southern New Jersey. And uh, you can look up my name and uh, make a call and we'll take care of the rest. Um, we today delivered lots and lots of food, lots and lots of medicine. Um, we're helping um, 
not an orphanage, but a, a shelter that that is taking care of uh, 150 kids right now. Uh, we provided them with uh, lots of materials. So uh, there, you know, yeah. there's uh, medicine, a lot of medicine, and gave uh, I gave a few of the young guys uh, a number of chest patches for chest wounds, uh, tourniquets. Um, hemostatic gauze is very important. If you have a big hole in you, yep. you stuff this gauze in, it stops the bleeding. So, it's amazing. Um, John, we're going to stay close. That's the kind of we, stuff we, we're doing. Yeah, we've got to run for right now. John Zarek, live from very, very near the action in the war, Russia versus Ukraine. Good to visit with you, John. Thank you so much. Be safe and be well, and we'll talk Thank to you, you very, Barry. very soon. You're welcome. You're welcome, my friend. John Zarek. Uh, live. He's in Poland, very, very close to the uh, to, to the border. We'll be right back. This is the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Dan with the best bumper music in America. I think I love it. Love your vibe, Dan. It's the Guy Benson Show. Christine Wyatt, Dan, yours truly, Harry, filling in today. Poor guy, he'll be back real soon in the quick moment that we have. Let's take a little peek. Brett Bear would call this his sort of roulette that he plays. You get so many chips and you put them on different people. We have, as declared Republican candidates, former President Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. On the Democrat side, we have President Biden saying that he's going to run, but he hasn't officially said so. So that, of course, freezes all kinds of people that aren't going to get involved until he makes his decision. Then there are potential candidates, former Vice President Mike Pence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the Commonwealth of Virginia's Governor Glenn Youngkin, Larry Hogan, former Governor Chris Sununu, former Governor Asa Hutchinson, former Governor uh, Francis Suarez, Mayor of Miami, Greg Abbott, the Governor. Notice a lot of governors. Governor is a great launching pad uh, to be a president because it is executive. Uh, U.S. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, Mike Pompeo, my gosh, CIA, Secretary of State, Christine Ohm of North Dakota, Governor, United States Senator Ted Cruz, and uh, my former governor and my longtime friend, Governor Chris Christie. That's a big field. And remember, in the Republican primary, unlike the Democrat, it is winner take all. The more the merrier if you have a lot of support. We'll be back. Congressman Van Drew of New Jersey is next. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan Harry Hurley filling in for Guy, who will be back very, very soon. We know it's the happy hour, uh, but there are a lot of serious things that are going on right now. This is not going to be very happy, but it will be sobering and it will be intellectually honest. Joining us on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is the distinguished gentleman from the 2nd Congressional District in New Jersey, once a Democrat, switched to Republican during the Trump presidency, has run and won as a Democrat, has run and won as a Republican, became becoming the only person in the history of the United States House of Representatives 
to actually leave the majority party to join the minority party and now finds himself back into the majority just a short time later. He he is on some of the most important and coveted committee assignments in the entire United States Congress. He has forged an incredible working relationship with another great congressman, Jim Jordan, who was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Congressman Van Drew is a member of that committee, the Judiciary Committee, which is one of the most important committees in all of Congress. And he is on the following subcommittees. And they are all, I mean, big time important. And he's a serious man. And the committees that he's on, he wants to be on because it's where you can really make a difference. For example, the Subcommittee on Administrative State, Regulatory Reform, and Antitrust. A lot of stuff going on there that we don't even really get a chance to talk about. The Subcommittee on Immigration, Integrity, Security, and Enforcement can't be more important than it is right now. That's a huge issue on the minds of the American people. He's a member of the Subcommittee on Responsiveness and Accountability to Oversight, the Vice Chairman of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and also serves on the additional following subcommittees. You know the rule of giving it to a busy person. Aviation, Coast Guard, and Maritime Transportation, Highways and Transit. Joining us now on the Guy Benson Show is Congressman Jeff Andrew. Congressman, welcome to Guy's program. It's great to be with you, Harry, and thank you for bringing the truth to the American people Uh, on a regular basis. It's much needed, and we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you right back, Congressman. And let's talk about your insights about President Biden's surprise visit to Ukraine right there in the late 4, early 5 o'clock hour with President Vladimir Zelensky promising the additional $500 million in American support. Uh, What was your take of our commander-in-chief? Well, you know what my take is this. I sure wish he'd have a surprise visit to Palestine, Ohio, to our American people, middle class, hardworking, good, you know, mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers, children and grandchildren that are suffering there um, that are very possibly going to get sick and have some real health problems in the future. We don't even know because we haven't committed enough federal resources yeah. there to really find out. So, you know, it's great he was in Ukraine. Frankly, I think we have to calm down a little bit in the kind of money that we're spending and spend more to make sure our country is safe, that our country has borders that are strong, that our country is strong in the rule of law. And frankly, we're worried about all the world, but not all that much what's happening in America. And you know why? I'm going to tell you why, because the vision that he has, the vision that so whether it's Mayorkas on immigration, um, whether it is Buttigieg on transportation, they just think of us all as one international global family, nothing special about America, nothing to see here. And by the hmm. way, if America suffers and gets hurt in the process, no worries. Well, I'm Con- tired of it. Congressman Van t- Drew, I, I join you with, with, with all of that. And I have a little bit of a preview on this because we were together last Friday night, and I know your take on this, but I want you to share it, if you would, with the uh, listeners of The Guy Benson Show, because it's very important. I I am just beyond – I can't even explain how the federal response could be so poor two weeks plus into a disaster 
where that's where the federal government congressman is supposed to shine. I mean, the mayor of East Palestine, Ohio, can't handle this chemical uh, train derailment with the poisons that not only um, uh, leaked out, but that they then set on fire, creating a mini mushroom cloud that has now reached the Ohio River, by the way, and who knows where else. And the response from the Biden White House, this Pete Buttigieg congressman, he he fails at every turn. But then again, he was a failed mayor of South Bend, Indiana, couldn't fill potholes. Why would we expect him to solve airline crises or this horrible uh, chemical toxic spill in East Palestine, Ohio? Can you even imagine? Can you explain how it's not your job? It was their job to perform and they didn't. But what could be the reason for why they did not respond to this community? Uh, I, it's it's sick. It, it really is, and it's cool. You know, there was that old that movie from years ago. It was a comedy. This is no comedy, but it was planes, trains, and automobiles. You yeah. might remember it. Yep. Well, boy, Buttigieg has screwed them all up. Whether it's the our literally our planes, our trains, our highways, our, our all our transportation systems, he couldn't. You know what the worst part is? It's not only the stupidity of it. It's the lack of caring, yeah. the lack of empathy, that lack of loving America. And it's the same with this president. This president was trying to make headlines and, and trying to make himself look good by going over to Ukraine. Damn it, he should have been where he belonged, which was in central Ohio, helping those people. He should have been there the next day saying, we're going to have resources for you. This federal government right now spends money on things that are a waste like free equity and spending money all over the world, supporting and propping up other governments uh, to spend money on illegal uh, immigrants. And yet we can't even take care of hardworking, good Americans who may get sick. The federal government should have had a commitment there. FEMA should have had a commitment. And, you know, we love to do executive orders. So if they didn't think FEMA could do it, which God knows, I don't understand why, then he should have. That's one damn executive order that he should have done. I am just so unbelievably tired of it. America is so unbelievably tired of it. I mean, Congressman, these folks were talking about rashes and burning throats. And the minute they would get back into their homes, the black uh, film that was all over their their living spaces. This was something like forty thousand dollars per property and cleanup costs. And who knows if it's even enough because they're continuing to be in in this toxic environment. We saw uh, one of your colleagues, Senator J.D., um, who who scratched the. uh, the water with a stick and you watched the poison rise to the top in like almost a rainbow hue of poison. Uh, it's there. It's 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 leaching. It's going who knows where. And they left these people completely hanging. It's 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 unforgivable. Let's shift gears. We've got about five minutes, a little over five minutes left, Congressman. Let's talk about this bizarre approach to the China spy balloon which President Biden allowed, he says they knew it before it even got to Alaska, which means they could have shot it down before it even got to Alaska, let alone through the entire continental United States. It then, Gordon Chang agreed with my comment earlier, Congressman, that China was mapping the United States for future provocation, for future war. 
We allowed this thing to go all through the country. And then three, quote unquote, objects, one of them, as you know, a 12-year-old uh, hobby club balloon. We, we spent $478,000 per Sidewinder missile. It took four to take down three. So we'll do the math there, really close to a couple of million dollars, not to mention the F-22s, 143 million each. And we shoot these little nothing burgers down, but we let the China spy satellite map the entire country. Help me with the philosophy of governance that we're currently being run under. Well, it's no philosophy. This is so bad, it's hard to believe. And as I was just saying the other day, as you know, this is a bizarre world. This isn't normal. There's something really wrong. And and I really believe there's something very, very wrong with this presidency, with this administration, with this uh, now minority on the other side. Uh, There's just no love for America. They say they love America. But as you know, and I mentioned it before, we had an argue. I had a debate for 30 minutes in the Judiciary Committee that we were going to make it a rule that you stand up and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. They didn't want to do it. They don't want to help the people in East Palestine. They don't want to make sure that we're safe. So they literally let a spy balloon traverse the entire United States over some, some of the most delicate and, and concerning areas that we have, uh, you know, military silos, missile silos, military installations, and we just let it happen. And then we finally shoot it down, and God knows it was in the water, so how much good information we'll retrieve. And you're right. And then we'll shoot. We, this is like a comedy. This is like a Saturday Night Live comedy. We're shooting kids' balloons down with sidewinder missiles, we're allowing dangerous Chinese spy information to be accumulated by a device, and we don't do anything. And on the I balloons, a, think, a congressman, on the toy balloons, then they tell us, and we've given up the search. They, they have to give up the search because it's going to be some 12-hour balloon that they don't want the American people to know about. And they, they're very sneaky, as you know. They, they're making stuff now classified that shouldn't be. I heard uh, one of your colleagues say the other day, hey— the, the um, briefing I got, 95 percent of that, the American people should be hearing right now. There's nothing classified about 95 percent of what I just heard. And they're keeping stuff from us that we should know. They're trying to fake us out in other ways. Meanwhile, China is watching all this. I, I watch them become much more open in their support for Russia. Gordon Chang, who you know is a, a tremendous China expert, He said on the Guy Benson show earlier today, Congressman Van Drew, that we're in a proxy war against China. It's a WWE. It's uh, Ivan Koloff versus, you know, Bruno San Martino. It's America and Ukraine versus Russia and China. We're in a proxy war. I know. And and, and I don't think people wanted to be in a proxy war. Because, frankly, if we had been strong— let me just be real straight shooter on this. If one of a few other individuals, in fact, probably quite a number, uh, had, had been president of the United States, certainly my friend Donald Trump. And, you know, you may not like his tweets and you may think he's whatever. But if he had been president of the United States, believe me, China wouldn't be laughing. Believe me, China wouldn't have done this. Believe me, if they did send over that big spy balloon, it would have been down instantaneously. 
Believe me when I tell you, Ukraine would not have even occurred because he would have straightened it out with Putin. This is all weakness. You cannot be weak as a nation and expect to prevail. And, and Congressman, didn't, we right didn't weakness in Afghanistan also help Putin yeah. get courage in, uh, yeah. in Ukraine? How could you not have courage? We did everything backwards. We left our people there. We left the good people there. We took the bad people with us. Um, we, you saw people hanging off a plane. There was no immediate rush on doing it except for his politics. To yeah, celebrate Let, left billions for the Taliban to uh, have at. And, and look where we are now. And how about those men and women that suffered and died and were hurt and, and maimed uh, who fought for us in Afghanistan? And we finally brought it around, and now we're back where we were before. Congressman Jeff Andrew, this is cruel and unusual, but we have 30 hard seconds left in our time together. Go. We better get our act together, man. We better fight hard, stand strong. We better make sure that we have the right people when these elections come in the Congress, which we've changed already, in the Senate and in the presidency, and bring our America back home. Otherwise, for real, we're going to lose it. Congressman Jeff Andrew, great to visit with you, sir. Thank you. Always good to be with you. We will be back in just a moment. Please don't go away. Much more straight ahead. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Senator Fetterman. Uh, Certainly not exploit it, but talk about it because I pray for his health. And and depression is very, very serious and very debilitating. We'll be right back because this is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. I think that's Dave Matthews' band, but Dan will tell me later. Welcome. It is. Welcome back. Uh, one of my daughter's favorites and mine. Uh, my twin brother met him, actually. Uh, good guy. We are back. It's the Guy Benson Show. I'm Harry Hurley. Honored to be filling in for Guy. He's a very dignified man that, that uh, runs one of the best shows in America. So it's an honor to be here with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm going to speak for just a moment about United States Senator John Fetterman. I live next door to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I followed this race incredibly close, covered it basically daily, saw what was about to happen and watched it in utter amazement because it doesn't seem to matter. Things have become so divided in our country, so tribal that People, I call it cognitive dissonance. I I didn't invent the term, but it's actually the definition means you vote against your own self-interest. You know that something's wrong, but you do it anyhow. John Fetterman was not up to this job, and it was apparent to all. Now, I'll tell you what was very, very big. Uh, Because they didn't debate until after probably half or more of the electorate had already cast their vote. If you went to the half that voted, I mean, for example, and this isn't I never got into any of those conspiracy things about voting machines and things like that. uh, But this much I do know. And everything from surveys taken by Fox News and by others in the business, reliable surveying showed that if. The American people had known about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the whole situation, and that the laptop was not Russian disinformation, that all of that was just lies, and the 51 very important 
former high-ranking people in intelligence didn't agree to all sign a letter calling it that. And if social media, I call them oligarchs, did not conspire to deplatform and ghost and take down all of this content and call call the truth a lie and lie a truth, uh, Joe Biden would not have been president, period. So now we have the situation beyond the stroke, now a situation of deep clinical depression. And anybody that's ever known someone or done any study about this issue it's very, very challenging, very difficult, and the belief is that it's going to take at least a few weeks to receive treatment because you have to get the right medication. Then you have to make sure you've balanced the dosage correctly. So we, we say this. He shouldn't be there. It's a mistake. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania should have spared America this, but we pray for Senator Fetterman for his health and his return as soon as possible. When we come back, Daniel Hoffman, retired CIA senior on The Guy Benson Show. Next. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back. It is The Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back very soon. What a busy news day it has been, and it really continues right now as we head back to the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline to one of the great voices in America today on the types of issues that are really, they are piling up in our country. When you look at all of this China provocation, North Korea, uh, they're, they're lighting off fireworks all over the place, and everything that's going on, these uh, unidentified objects, because we're told not to call them balloons. They're objects, I think, because one of them was a $12 kid's balloon from a hobby club. So we better call it an object. Even It even said octagonal object, uh, which I'll bet you was the $12 one that cost about 478000 to two million to shoot or to $1 million to shoot down because one of them took two shots. Joining us now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Daniel Hoffman, retired CIA senior clandestine services officer and a regular Fox News contributor. Daniel, honored to present you. Uh, welcome to Guy's program. Uh, thanks for having me. Happy President's Day to everyone. Glad you said that. Absolutely, without a doubt. And pray for our president, who uh, I think did a good thing today showing up uh, in Ukraine. Daniel, in terms of China, uh, I posed this question earlier in Guy's program to Gordon Chang, who I consider to be uh, quite an expert on China and, and things that they have on their mind. Congressman Van Drew agreed. We'll see if the great Daniel Hoffman agrees that we're in a proxy war with China. I mean, there's really no there's no denying that, is there? No, we're in a 21st century Cold War. There you go. And the geopolitical fault lines of the coal of this Cold War are Ukraine and Taiwan. That's where dictatorship, Russian-style dictatorship and Chinese communist dictatorship meets a fight for democracy or to, to retain democracy in, in, uh, in Ukraine in the face of a brutal, horrific onslaught from Russia and uh, Taiwan, which is under massive threat from China. In terms of uh, right now, China and what they're doing Gordon Chang also agreed. Uh, I've talked to Van Drew in other interviews, not today, about it. He also agreed. China is presently providing Russia with lethal aid, correct? Well, 
the Russians are receiving a lot of intelligence from China, uh, which is helpful. And they're certainly China is allowing, you know, their drones to be sold, not just to the Russians, but the Ukrainians are grabbing them, too. But, you know, the Chinese, honestly, I think, have held back a bit. And, and what they're doing, honestly, I think, is they're, they're exploiting Russia's weakness right now. They're okay with Russia bleeding themselves out in Ukraine because Russia's an easy mark. The Chinese uh, are importing hydrocarbons at the lowest uh, prices they ever have, gas and oil that means so much to the Chinese economy. Uh, and they're, they're selling the Russians the manufactured goods that they produce. And so this isn't a bad thing at all for China. And it's not a good thing from Russia. We've seen the Chinese uh, penetrate Russia's traditional sphere of influence in central Eurasia by, uh, with Xi Jinping traveling to Uzbekistan and uh, and partnering up with Kazakhstan for their Belt Road Initiative. You know, this is a good thing for China. And I think all the talk about China providing lethal assistance, and Gordon is a preeminent expert on China, so I'd welcome his thoughts on this. But I think the Chinese might have done this just as a bit of subterfuge uh, to get the United States to give a, a concession for something they probably had no intention of doing in the first place, to Very. make it appear as if, well, you know, they're, they're not providing lethal aid like massive amounts of artillery like the North Koreans and drones like the Iranians, and they should get something in return for it, which they don't deserve. So much interesting content today on The Guy Benson Show when you listen to Gordon Chang and now you listen to Daniel Hoffman. You guys are not miles apart or anything. I think it's just the difference in terms of your CIA background, the clandestine uh, skill sets that you possess. You look at things at, at, at a way that I, I am fascinated about Daniel, I want to do a quick sidebar, and then I'm going to pivot right back to China, and I want to get into some of this, these objects, these balloons, and not shooting the one down that was actually a spy satellite, letting it traverse the whole country, but then shooting down the Hobby Lobby, you know, the Hobby Kids uh, 12-hour balloons. It's really it, – it, I mean, I kind of figure that, oh, my God, we got so embarrassed because we didn't shoot this one down, so now we got to start shooting them all down. I think it's a, it's that rudimentary, but it's still stupid – and, and it's it's unserious. But North Korea is firing more missiles. They're, they, they're always bravado, warning of turning the Pacific into a firing range and all of this stuff. Nobody's talking about North Korea right now because there's so much else on the table. What's North Korea up to, Daniel? You're right. And that's the, the wickedly complex challenge that, that this administration and previous ones have faced. And, you know, you ticked off a lot of the national security threats to our nation, you know, Iranian nuclear program. We haven't talked a lot about that either. Yep, Russia, China, true. North Korea, transnational terrorism. We left Afghanistan. Uh, it's a terrorist state, you know, and it's more dangerous today than it ever was. And if there's a silver lining in those dark clouds, it's just job security for my former colleagues in the intelligence community and our brave uh, military and, and then the State Department diplomats. Uh, but when it comes to North Korea, you know, COVID hit them really hard. Uh, they shut down their economy and they are struggling and they return, you know, to the tried and true uh, strategy, uh, which is just to try to extort the world into accepting their nuclear program and to give up some very minuscule incremental concession that really doesn't do much uh, to change that uh, in return for assistance, uh, sanctions reduction and food assistance. And that's kind of been their playbook. And the difference between today and maybe 10 or 15 years ago is that we're not going to get any help from the Chinese or the Russians. In fact, they're perfectly happy to have North Korea occupying our attention and the attention of our allies as well. And that's why 
the situation in, in the Korean Peninsula today is arguably more dangerous than it's ever been. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is really one of the absolute best in the business. Daniel Hoffman, retired CIA senior clandestine services officer and Fox News contributor. And I do recommend a little bit of homework assignment because we're touching on it, but you can really see a great interview uh, at foxnews.com. Go to the video. Go to the interview. China's mission is to exploit Russia. And it's a really insightful take that China might not be as some people believe, all in with Russia, but but exactly as Daniel has positioned this. I, I think that is um, a fascinating take based off of a lot of experience that you have. This I want to get to while we have some quality time left, Daniel. And I think a lot of Americans are perplexed. The president told us that they saw this Chinese spy satellite before it got to Alaska. It means he could have shot it down before it ever got to Alaska and before it made its way through the continental United States. I I guess we'll never know. They want to classify a lot of this stuff to to hide it from the American people, I believe. So we may not find out anytime soon, if ever. You know, why did they let this particular Chinese spy satellite? And I'm not I'm not believing. And you tell me if you do this stuff where, oh, yeah, it was going to Hawaii and it went off course. So I have to believe, me as a layperson, I'm not a CIA, senior clandestine services officer, brilliant like you are in these areas. But I say, hey, wait a minute. You mean to tell me this thing went off course and perfectly went over Montana and all these sensitive uh, nuclear sites and then all these other, you can name them, five, six of them. This thing got off track and went exactly where China would want it to go if they were mapping the United States. So I'm not believing the Hawaiian vacation story for the balloon. I think it went exactly where China wanted it to go, because to believe that, I think, is just unserious. It could not have taken this perfect uh, path to aid China. I know the government said, the president said, we deactivated it, so they act like this thing was just flying around and, you know, we'll shoot it down when we get around to it. But what do you make of this? And then, of course, then shooting the other stuff and then giving up on the search. So there, I did a drive-by on you. I hit you with about five things. I love Those are fantastic points. Look, I will tell you, when it comes to China and Russia, whatever you think it is and how bad you think it is, it's always worse than that. I was, <laughs> I was always amazed. You know, I spent five years in Russia total. And at the end of my second tour there, even then, I was surprised. I shouldn't be, uh, but that's like embrace the unexpected. It's worse than you thought. So in the case of this so-called spy balloon, look, the ethos of U.S. national security is detect threats way out, like we like to say, left of boom, before they cause harm to our national security, before they cause harm to our citizens. And, penetra- you know, and, and then eliminate those threats before they cause harm, preempt the threats. And in this case, we knew that spy balloon was on a trajectory to enter the continental United States. We didn't do anything about it. Yep. It loitered for four days, collecting intelligence and sending it back to China. Now, there'll be an after-action report, and we'll get to learn exactly how much damage was done. But we took the risk when we didn't have to take the risk. And that's the part that I don't quite understand. There have been some who have who have said that, well, we allowed the balloon to traverse our country because we didn't want to lose that opportunity for Secretary Blinken to meet with uh, Xi Jinping. Well, that's an awfully dangerous transaction to make for our national security. It also, it's a terrible message to deliver to, deliver to the Chinese that they can extort us uh, and steal our secrets in return for a high-level meeting, which 
it, it just and then when it comes to shooting down uh, the so-called unidentified flying objects that should never have been shot down, well, you got to know what you're shooting at. You know, when whether it's an Al Qaeda guy or a balloon, uh, we find fix and finish targets, but we've got to know what they are before we take a shot. But they knew and what the first about- one was. Uh- this is the crazy thing, Daniel. They knew what the first one was, and they didn't take the shot. Then they say, we still don't know what the other ones are, and I believe they do. And look, I know this in very icy conditions and in the wilderness of who knows where, but I think they've ended the search because they don't want to be embarrassed, you know, holding up a $12 balloon and saying we spent 478000 and a $143 million F-22 to shoot down this kid's 12-year-old kid's balloon. I think that's the truth. I mean, I think our citizens will think, well, that was ass backwards, if I can say that on the radio. You did. Um, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you're 100% right about that. But also, we're risking great um, negative economic ramifications here, too, because, you know, who wants to fly the friendly skies when our military might be blowing stuff up in near space? And that also, because we want to know that the government has some capacity to accurately to detect what the threats are before they cause harm eliminate those threats and the stuff that's not a threat okay you've you've discerned it's not a threat then leave it that that's look there's a lot to be said about this transparency matters we're not getting enough of that and i'm sure there will be hearings uh and it would have been a better idea for the president to have gotten up and spoken about this more openly with greater transparency I hope he does, because it does impact not just our national security, but, you know, the economy as well. Daniel, hard break in about 45 seconds, but I want to give this to you before we say goodbye. I was very concerned when they told our enemies in the world that, hey, it's at 60,000 feet and we don't have a plane that can really get a good look at it. I thought that was a stupid thing to say, even if it's true. And it appears to be true, because why would you say that? Uh, and that that means, hey, just fly at 60,000 feet. You know, we have to send a spaceship now <laughs> to see it. I mean, and then how did they deactivate it if we can't even see it? Uh, so I just don't buy any of that. 30 seconds, closing comment. A lot of unanswered questions here. You're absolutely right to be to be raising them. Uh, and those are the – look, the other thing that concerns me is that, that we've got transnational terrorists, nefarious state actors like Iran and North Korea who are watching this. And the next balloon that, that traverses our country, maybe it doesn't have spy technology in it. Maybe it's got WMD. And, and look, I was paid for 30 years to think about the worst-case scenarios. And even then, as I said at the, at the beginning of our, of our, of our uh, discussion today, that still wasn't as bad as it turned out to be many times. So that's what would concern me. And I think it's something that this administration needs to be looking at with greater alacrity. Daniel, thank you. Daniel Hoffman, retired CIA, senior clandestine services officer and Fox News contributor. And just listening to him, you know why he's all those things. Thank you, Daniel. All right. My pleasure. Have a good night. You do the same. When we come back, Wyatt, Dan, and yours truly, we will talk about President's Day and Presidents on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. All right, let's do this. It's the Guy Benson Show. Christine Wyatt, Dan, yours truly, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy. He'll be back very, very soon. It is the Guy Benson Show. It is the happy hour, and we're going to close it out with Wyatt, Dan, and yours truly sharing. I'll go middle. I think we're going to have Dan close the deal. Wyatt's going to go first and share a thought on President's Day. I have mine ready to go. I'll bat second, Derek Jeter. 
and then Dan will go third. Wyatt, take it away. Well, I have to just say I think some of the best presidents have monuments here in D.C. You know, you have Washington, yep. Jefferson, yep. and Lincoln all yep. having these big monuments throughout D.C. And another thing about Pe- President's Day I want to mention is, Harry, two of our favorite places is Disney, and yep. they have one of the best rides, one of the best attractions and shows of all the presidents, which I think everyone should go out and experience, one of the coolest things. Hall of Presidents created by Walt Disney himself. Yep. It's wonderful. Here I go. Mine is rolling back the Wayback Machine to November 4th, 1980. And I was eligible to be a voter two years prior to that, but it was my first presidential election that I was eligible to vote. So I had voted in like school board elections and local elections and some state things and county things, but not for president until the election of 1980, which was the incumbent Jimmy Carter against the challenger Ronald Reagan, who became my favorite president of all time. President Reagan, it was said that he was losing on the Friday before Election Day, even over the weekend. He went on to win 44 of the 50 states, only losing President Carter's home state of Georgia, West Virginia, Minnesota, Hawaii, Maryland, and New Hampshire. So that is just a favorite presidential memory of mine, my first eligible election to vote for president. Dan? Well, I've always been a lover of history. I remember back in elementary school, we would do school projects, and we had to pick a historical figure. So I picked George Washington for mine. So I had to, you know, dress up as George Washington. I got a, you know, shower cap and glued cotton balls to it to give me the white hair, you know. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. I remember loving to learn about George Washington, his life and his and his career and everything he did. And was just always fascinated with it. And I'm pretty sure, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was uh, chosen as the commander of the Continental Army in 1775. Yep. Um, so that's a little fact I remember. But, yeah, no, I always remember I used to go down to D.C. with my family, just like Wyatt said, and look at all the monuments and just learn and learn about the the people who, you know, started this country and made this country great in the way it is. Well, in 1862, Lincoln, who Wyatt mentioned, issued a proclamation declaring February 22nd a day of celebration honoring President Washington. Happens to be my oldest daughter's birthday. Then a federal holiday on February 22nd was officially passed in the law into 1879. And remember, they would have, when we were all younger, they would have President Lincoln's holiday separate and President Washington and, and on and on. So they decided to have one President's Day. Uh, and that's where we are now. Uh, we still pay attention to Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday, but there is one President's Day honoring all the presidents that have served, including President Carter, who is now in hospice. He's uh, at home, and he's not going to have any more medical treatments done, and so that in a short while uh, we will celebrate uh, a great life. His presidency is one thing. Uh, his post-presidency was exemplary. To Wyatt and Dan, thank you for the opportunity to be here. We'll be back tomorrow. Looking forward to it. And then Guy will return thereafter. With this great team of Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, on behalf of Guy Benson, this is The Guy Benson Show. Have a great rest of your day. Check out the podcast, GuyBensonShow.com.
listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.